And I'm glad the funeral turned out okay. Amen. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I, I always, anytime I preach, I want to tell a joke. I don't have to now. Amen. Uh, that was great, Pastor. I appreciate it. That was awesome. You really bailed me out on that one. And to be quite honest with you, I completely forgot that I had done that. I, and I think, oh, that's right. Yes, I remember the stress that I went through that week leading up to that. Uh, because English is my first language. Uh, Spanish is my second language. Uh, I was born in Puerto Rico. Some, some of you have met me before. We were here a few years back. I was born in Puerto Rico, but I was raised in Baltimore, Maryland. Please forgive me for that. I know there's a big game happening tonight. Amen. But what's happening here is more important than that game. Amen? Praise the Lord. But nonetheless, uh, I was raised in Baltimore, Maryland, and Spanish was something that I kind of, you know, I kind of did away with as a teenager. I kind of strayed away from it because I wasn't using it. I had no need for it, at least I thought. Uh, needless to say, the Lord, of course, uh, brought uh, a missions trip and different circumstances that brought me back to, hey, wanting to really get the, the language down. Uh, I'm still working on that, but the Lord has uh, allowed us to use that for His glory and we're excited. We are so excited about White Oak Baptist Church. I'll be quite honest with you. When we were here a few years ago, we were excited about White Oak Baptist Church. We thought, man, now there is a, a thriving church. There is a church where the pastor is loved, the people are loved, and the Lord is loved. Amen? And if you have that, there's no limit to what can happen uh, in that community, in that area, uh, when a church operates uh, with those kinds of, of characteristics, loving the pastor, the pastor loving the people, and of course everyone loving the Lord. And so uh, we're excited to be a part, we're excited to, uh, to come and hopefully add to and, and be a blessing to you all, and I hope and pray that we can do that today. And uh, my wife Trina, you know, it's, it's funny because um, I had forgotten exactly when Pastor and I met, and he reminded us yesterday at the men's event, he was 16 years old when, we, when he and his family first came to Rosedale Baptist Church. And uh, I, to be quite honest with you, he was such a mature young man, you know, I didn't view him as one of the other teenagers. I viewed him, he was, uh, not only was he mature, uh, he was wise beyond his years, and I believe he still is. And uh, there's a reason why uh, the Lord led me and Trina to come here uh, to help him and to support him and to encourage him and White Oak Baptist Church. Uh, he is a, a wonderful Christian man. Uh, and Miss Angela, amen, uh, she's, she's a wonderful lady, and uh, we got a chance to work with both of them at Rosedale Baptist Church. What an encouragement they are to me and to my wife, and I know to White Oak Baptist Church uh, as by the result of all that are here. And if you're a visitor, please come back again when pastor is preaching, okay, so uh, you can hear the pastor that's here, the, the leader of this church, uh, hear him preach. So just indulge me for today, okay? All right, uh, we're in Luke chapter number 10, if you'll turn there. Luke chapter number 10. Now, I feel like I'm a little loud. Does it sound loud to you all? No? Okay. Because it's going to get louder. I'm just warning you. Okay? Uh, so, anyway, uh, Luke chapter number 10. Now, Pastor, I don't know if you all have the, the normal custom to, to stand for the reading of the Word of God. Okay? So, if you're able, if you're physically able, I ask that you stand as we read the Word of God this morning. In Luke chapter number 10. Luke chapter number 10 and verse number 25. We're going to read uh, beginning in verse 25 down to verse number 37. The Bible says here, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, that Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. And he, the Lord Jesus here, and he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. 
This do, and thou shalt live. But he, the lawyer, he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? You can hear the almost the disdain, the sarcasm, the facetiousness in his, in his voice. Well, who really is my neighbor? And he's asking this question to the Lord. Verse 30. And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. And let's have a word of prayer, and we'll get right into the message. Father in heaven, we love you. Lord, we thank you for the great spirit that we sense here at White Oak Baptist Church this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the worshipful hearts uh, that are obvious and evident today. And, Lord, we are so grateful, we are so thankful for what you have done uh, in our lives, Lord, that we can't help but praise you. We can't help but bow our hearts and, and worship to you. And, Lord, help us right now in this portion of the service where our attention is focused on your word. Lord, we pray that our attention would be focused on your word, that we would not be distracted. Lord, help us to forget the things of of, of the outside of these four walls. Forget the things that are happening in our lives, Lord, that, that might distract us from hearing from heaven. Lord, please speak to us. Use me, dear God, as your instrument to minister to these dear people. And Lord, help me to say what I should and to not say what I should not say. Lord, may you be the preacher here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. We see here this story, this parable that the Lord Jesus told. Uh, he had been teaching, obviously, as, as he tended to do, teaching doctrine and teaching godly principles. And a lawyer stood up tempting him. A lawyer stood up and, and he wanted to question him. He was trying to trip up the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says to him, he says, well, uh, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ turned to the lawyer and he said, what does the law say, Mr. Lawyer? Uh, Mr. Smart Alec, the Lord didn't say that, but uh, I kind of feel that that's kind of the intent there. Hey, you're a lawyer. You know the law. What does the law say? And of course he says, well, you know, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as, as yourself. And the Lord Jesus says that's correct. That's correct. And, and, and so he's, he, he upped the ante. He says, well, who exactly is my neighbor? Uh, who exactly uh, should I consider to be a neighbor? Who exactly should I uh, treat in this way, this loving way, this way that uh, uh, just is a blessing and an encouragement and a help to them? Who is that person? Can you please define that person to me? Basically is what he's saying to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, notice in verse number 29, he's not sincere. He's not genuine in this question. He doesn't truly want to know who his neighbor is. Look at verse number 29. Verse number 29 says, but he, the next phrase says, willing to justify himself. 
He's trying to justify, uh, I decide who I'm kind to. I decide who I love. I decide who I share my grace towards. Uh, and he's willing to justify himself. He's thinking that he can corner the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody seeing this? Willing to justify himself. You see, and the problem is he's, he's not understanding the true biblical godly principle of loving your neighbor. I've entitled the message this morning, Who Cares? Who truly cares? We've all used that phrase, I'm sure, at some point in time when uh, something frustrating or something that we don't really want to hear or we don't really care much about. We say, well, who cares? Who cares? Uh, almost dismissing what's being said. Almost dismissing uh, the topic of conversation. Uh, but listen, this morning, the Lord Jesus Christ wants all of us to understand, He wants all of us to know that we all should care. Not only should we all care, but all of us should care for everyone. You see, our neighbor uh, is not necessarily just the person that lives next door. Our neighbor is not necessarily just the person uh, that's in our neighborhood. Our neighbor, the Lord Jesus teaches with this parable, is whomever God allows to be in your path of life that needs some help or needs some assistance, that person is your neighbor. That person is the, the one that you should care about. Uh, this particular parable, this particular story uh, is told, obviously the Lord Jesus told this, but this theme, the plot of this particular story uh, has been imitated uh, by many Hollywood movies. Uh, this, this theme of loving your neighbor. Uh, I believe that this is the premier, premier account of benevolence uh, in, in, in literature uh, outside of the Lord Jesus Christ dying for the world. Of course, that's the utmost benevolence anyone has ever been shown is having the Lord die in their place for their sins. But as far as stories go, as far as storylines and plots and, and that sort of thing, man, this is just, it's premier. It's, it's a great, great parable. And so many writers of literature have successfully imitated its theme of loving your neighbor. Uh, even movie makers have developed its meaning into many story plots. And many aspects of our society have been influenced by this great story of loving our neighbor. You see, the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ... Uh, still have an influence on society today, and thank the Lord for that. This account of this good Samaritan is the one, uh, one of the most famous parables that the Lord Jesus Christ ever told. And we see some points here that can uh, help us to truly love our neighbor according to Luke chapter number 10. Point number one, if you will, if you take notes, point number one, we see the casualty. The casualty. Casualty, we know what that is. Anybody that's uh, uh, been in the military, you know exactly what this is talking about. Uh, the casualty is someone who is made to suffer loss, injury, or even death. Uh, and in, in this particular story, uh, we see the casualty uh, is the man that was uh, beaten and was robbed by these thieves. Let's look at it in verse number 30, Luke chapter 10 and verse number 30. The Bible says here, and Jesus answering said, this, he's answering the lawyer's question with this parable, this, this story. And Jesus answering said, look, look at the next three words. A certain man. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Notice that phrase, a certain man. That means it could be any man, any woman, any boy, any girl. It could be anyone. It doesn't have to be the person that lives next door, the person that lives above us or beneath us. Uh, it, it can be anyone, a certain man. 
Uh, the Lord in His omniscience, the Lord in His foreknowledge used that wording, used that phrase on purpose to encourage us in the 21st century to not discriminate. There is no room in God's economy for discrimination. None whatsoever. Uh, and listen, uh, all of us, I'm sure, have been discriminated against at some point in time or another. Uh, whether it's because you know, we're Hispanic or whether it's because, you know, uh, the, the color of our skin or whether it's because we're a female or, not me, but you know, uh, whether it's because you're a female. Listen, we've all been discriminated against at some, and listen, uh, even today, there's uh, white Caucasian American males that are discriminated against. Discrimination is something that should not be a part of the Christian's life. A certain man, any man, uh, you, you put in there whomever God has placed in your path, whomever God has placed in your life that you can be an encouragement and a blessing to, that's the certain man. That's the person that God says, man, be a loving neighbor to them. By the way, I don't know if you know this, and you may, you may know this, uh, but when, when he asked them, what does the law say? Uh, and the lawyer answered, well, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, you know that the Ten Commandments, uh, that's not exactly what it says. Uh, it, the first commandment, it says, uh, it says, thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Okay, and so the first four commandments of the Ten Commandments encapsulates, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. In other words, have no other gods before me. Have no graven images. Uh, Do not take the name of the Lord God in vain. And remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So those four, that's loving the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's what he's saying here. And the next six commandments, they encapsulate loving your neighbor as yourself. Uh, Again, uh, those next six commandments, honor thy father and thy mother, Uh, thou shalt not uh, kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, Uh, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. All of those encapsulate, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Uh, Everybody with me so far? And so that's what he's saying. Uh, This is a summary. Uh, Number one, uh, love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, all your soul. That encapsulates. That's a summary of of commandments one through four. And then love your neighbor as yourself. That's a summary of commandments six through ten. But listen, let's not let's not miss the point. Uh, Commandments six through ten for you and for I, that applies to a certain man, any man, uh, whomever it is that God has placed there for you to be a blessing to. Let's look at number two. Number one, we see the casualty. Uh, number two, we see the criminals. We see the criminals. Now, I will say this. There's only three kind of people in the world. Okay, there's people that will uh, beat you up. Then there are people that will uh, pass you up. And then there are people that will pick you up. What kind of person are you? There are people that will beat you up and, and climb the corporate ladder and step on you as they do it. Then there are people that will pass you up. Well, I won't actively hurt that person, but I won't actively help that person either. They'll pass you up. But then there's that person. Then there's that individual that has a heart for the Lord, has a heart that loves God and says, you know what, it's my responsibility to pick them up, to help them, to do what I can to be an encouragement and a blessing to them. How many times have I been guilty of seeing someone stranded on the side of the road and just continuing on my way? And you know what we use as, as our excuse today in the 21st century? Well, they were on their cell phone. So that means that their problem is fixed, right? That's what we think. Listen, God sometimes puts people in our path to see whether or not we're going to love our neighbor or not. Are you going to love your neighbor? 
Or are you going to love yourself? Are you going to love your schedule? Are you going to love your agenda? Are you going to love uh, the, the things that you have to do? See, we have the casualty, but we also have the criminals. Let's, let's look at it. Verse number 30, one more time. Verse number 30. And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thieves. Obviously, thieves are, are the criminals. Uh, these are the people that don't care about that individual. All they care about is themselves. They're selfish. They're self-centered. Uh, they're narcissistic. Uh, and, and they say, hey, what you have is mine. That's the thieves. That's their mentality. Hey, what you work for, what you earned, what you went to work for and got up early and, and, and worked the overtime and what you were able to go purchase. Uh, or Listen, what God's blessed you with, hey, it, it's mine. I'm going to take it. That's the first criminals that we see here. They don't care about the man. All they care about was their selfish desires. They're egotistical. They're self-centered. But we see, uh, we see also some other criminals. We see some other criminals. See, the thieves were the ones that will beat you up. The person that will beat you up. But don't forget, there's the person that will pass you up. That person's also a criminal. Uh, look at verse 31. Verse 31. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by. There are people that will beat you up. There are people that will pass you up. This certain priest, this person who's supposed to be a religious, quote-unquote, person, a person that represents a faith system, a person that's supposed to have a heart for God, a person who's supposed to uh, represent God to man, that's what a priest is, he wasn't representing God very well here. He didn't beat up the individual. He didn't rob the individual, but he didn't help him either. He passed by. He avoided him. He left him there. Look at it, verse 31 again. Uh, Let's look at verse 32. We saw in verse 31, the priest passed by uh, on the other side, verse 32. And likewise, a Levite. A Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. Notice that it says, not only that he passed by, it says he came and looked. You see, the priest saw from a distance, say, hey, I don't want anything to do with that, and passed by on the other side. The Levite says, well, let me take a closer look. You ever, you ever been on the highway and there's people rubbernecking? You know, you just got to see what's happening, right? What happened? Uh, we like to see the gore. And I'm thinking, let's go. <laughs> it's just an accident. Hopefully the folks that are there helping them will be okay. Let's get going. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all have that problem up here in Connecticut? Okay, all right. Amen. Praise the Lord. We got that problem in Wachula. You know, we got a total of like, you know, 50 people. So, you know, there's only like three cars. Anyway, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm exaggerating, but that's what it feels like. Anyway, so he had to see. He had to go, look. He got a closer look. He says, yeah, I don't want anything to do with this either. And he walked away. He passed by on the other side. This Levite, again, a person who's supposed to have a desire to be a blessing to other people, did not have a blessing, to, did not have a desire to be a blessing to other people. The thieves, they said, what's yours is mine. I'm going to take it. The priest and the Levite, they had a different mentality. They said, what's mine is mine. I'm going to keep it. You, you with me? Well, I, I work for that. I earned that. I, I went to work and I did this and I sweat and I labored and I toiled and this is mine. And they have a white knuckle grip on their stuff. And they refuse to let it go. You ever met someone like that? I hope and pray that we haven't been like that. I can say that I've been like that at times in my life. And you know what God is trying to teach me and trying to teach us? <laughs> Let it go, man. Let it go. It's just stuff. Hey, don't worship stuff. Use stuff to worship God and to help others. 
Don't worship stuff. I'm talking about, listen, I'm talking about expensive stuff. I'm talking about cars. I'm talking about homes. I'm talking about serious stuff that costs a lot of money. God says, if it wasn't for me, you wouldn't have that stuff. If it wasn't for my grace, you wouldn't have the strength. You wouldn't have the energy. You wouldn't have the intelligence to do what you do to get that stuff. The priest and the Levite, they said, no, 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 what's mine is mine. I'm going to keep it. The thieves, they said, what's yours is mine. I'm going to take it. You see, I sometimes think that this is the most common excuse that we have for not helping. What's mine is mine. I got things to do. I got places to be. I got people waiting on me. It would be irresponsible for me not to show up or to show up late. And and listen, I cannot inconvenience myself for others, at least not right now. We all have done it. We're all guilty of this. And the Lord says, love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. All right, look at uh, verse 25 again. Verse number 25 of Luke chapter 10. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. This do and thou shalt live. Verse 29. But he willing to justify himself. Willing to say, well, I'm too busy. I'm too, uh, I'm too important. I got too many things to do. Uh, I got a wife. I got children. I got responsibilities. I got position. I have power. People are depending on me. I don't have time for this. Listen, if we don't have time to love our neighbor, then something's got to change in our schedule. If we're too busy to love our neighbor, we're just plain too busy. Y'all with me? If we're too busy to stop and, and, and put the brakes on of our life and say, okay, let me help this individual, we're just too busy. We're too busy. Something's got to go. And listen, we have to be willing to stop and help, uh, stop what we're doing to help someone else. You see, this lawyer doesn't truly care uh, about his neighbor. He's just trying to justify his own Behavior. We see the criminals, number one. We see the, uh, excuse me, we see the, the casualty, number one. We see the criminals, number two. We see number three, the crime. The crime. We know what the crime is. Verse number 30 tells us, and Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among thieves, which, listen, it stripped him of his raiment, these thieves. They stripped him. They left him there naked. They stripped him of his raiment. They wounded him. They beat him up. And they left him almost Dead. Almost, like half, I mean, this person wasn't hardly alive. They beat him mercilessly. I don't know about you, but I've seen this kind of thing happen. I lived four years in in the Bronx, New York. That's not far from here, right? The Bronx, New York. I lived for four years in the Bronx, New York. Those are four years that I choose to try to forget. You know why? Because I saw a lot of crazy stuff happen. I mean, I got some PTSD from that those years. It, it was four years. I was eight, nine, somewhere in there when we moved there. And man, I'm telling you, I, I had been in fights day after day after day after. I mean, the, the older kids in the neighborhood, the 18, 19 year olds, they would get the, the, the younger kids, my age, nine and ten, and they would pit fights. You know, like, like it was some kind of boxing match and, and like it was some kind of dog fighting ring or something. And they would pit, and, and I was always one of them. Michael Roper, hey, come fight this guy. Hey, I'm telling you, I saw some, th- some things. Uh, I- I've seen people stabbed in my apartment. Uh, I've seen people uh, beat with soap in a sock. You ever seen that? Soap in a sock? I've seen people, I mean, bloodied. I've seen that thing, those kinds of things happen. And to see this 
I don't understand how, a one, human, how one human being can do that to another. I, I just don't get it. I don't understand. Uh, and this is the crime. They beat him almost to, to the point where they killed him. They, they robbed him. They left him there beaten, bloodied, naked. The crime. We see the casualty, the criminals, the crime, number four, the compassion. The compassion. Look at verse number 33. Verse number 33, the compassion. The Bible says, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. He had compassion on him. Uh, and, and his compassion uh, made him, uh, forced him to do something. Verse 34, and he went to him and he bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine and set him on his own beast and brought him to an end and took care of him. Uh, I, I have a definition for the word compassion that I think is very clear, very easy for us to understand. Compassion, in my opinion, is your pain in my heart. Your pain in my heart. If I have compassion for someone, I will empathize with them. I will hurt when they hurt. I will be in agony when they're in agony. And it will cause me to do something about it. Or at least try. That's compassion. Having compassion is sympathy for the suffering of others. It's the total opposite of indifference and apathy. Indifference says, I don't care about you, I care about me. Apathy says, what you got going on is not important. What's important is what's going on in my life. That's indifference, that's apathy. It's the opposite of compassion. By the way, this certain man that was beaten, stripped, left almost dead, this man, I believe, was a Jew. Now, see, it says he was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. That's why I believe it's implied that he's a, Jew, a Jewish man. Uh, and again, not only does it imply that he's a Jewish man by saying he traveled from Jerusalem to Jericho, but the Lord Jesus Christ on purpose chose the person that was the hero, the person that came in to rescue and salvage, a Samaritan. Y'all know why he did that, right? The Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. They couldn't stand one another. Uh, the Samaritans were half Jew, half Gentile, mixed a uh, race, and so uh, they hated one another. They were at odds with one another. And the Lord Jesus Christ, on purpose, said, it's a good Samaritan. A good Samaritan. He helped this Jewish man, this man who normally, naturally, they wouldn't get along. Normally, naturally, they would hate each other. Normally, naturally, they would be opposed to one another. But he had compassion on him, and he did something about it. Hey, who is it in your life that, man, when you think of them or their name comes up, you just, oh, you cringe, you struggle, and you may not show it, you know, in your, your body language, but in here. I got some people like that. I'm sure we all got some people like that. God says, if that person needed help, he expects you and he expects me to help them. Man, that's profound. That's, that's not elementary Christianity. I mean, that's some serious stuff right there. That's hard to do, loving our enemies. Uh, and so we need to make sure we understand, the, the, the thieves said, in their heart, they said, what's yours is mine. I'm going to take it. The priest and the Levite, in their heart, they said, what's mine is mine. I'm going to keep it. You know what the Samaritan said? The good Samaritan says, what's mine is yours, and I'm going to give it. That's hard to do, isn't it? That's hard to do, but that's what the Lord expects from us. What's mine is yours, 
Uh, what I've worked for, what I've toiled for, what I've desired for all this time and I finally acquired, man, I'm going to take it and I'm going to be a blessing to you with it. I'm going to give it to you. Isn't that incredible? What an incredible story. Uh, what an incredible parable. What an incredible truth the Lord is trying to get across to us. Let's look at point number five. Point number five, we see the cost. The cost. We see the casualty, the criminals, the compassion, and number five, the cost. Look at verse number 34. Verse number 34. And went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. It's costing him. He's taking his oil, his wine, and it's costing him. And set him on his own beast. It's costing him. And brought him to an end and took care of him. It's costing him. It's costing him time. It's costing him resources. It's costing him money. Hey, loving our neighbor is going to cost us. Christianity is not convenient. Y'all with me? It's not convenient. God is not trying to help us to live a a lap of luxury and and, and, uh, and everything's just uh, uh, peaches and and cream and roses and, 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 and smooth sailing. No, no, no. Christianity is hard work. Man, it takes some sacrifice. It takes sacrifice to build a healthy, vibrant, community-impacting local New Testament church like White Oak. It takes sacrifice. It takes work. It's inconvenient. Man, would the God that we would quit having these Christians in the 21st century who are just convenient Christians. Well, pastor, I would show up for revival, but, you know, I'm tired. I worked all week. Let me tell you something. I've seen too many Christians who are sick on Sunday and at work on Monday. It's the truth. And man, you might as well take a, a knife and just shove it right in the pastor's heart. Because what's more important to you is shown by the way you behave, by the way I behave. And, and oh, we'll make sure we get to work, but if we can, we'll miss church if we have to. Oh, Sunday night, pastor, you know, uh, you know, Sunday's my only day to rest, and, and so I'm, I'm, too, you know, I'm tired, and uh, oh, you know, sing in the choir, or you know, uh, teach a class, or, or man, go out soul winning. Man, it's, it's inconvenient. I'm too busy. What's mine is mine. I'll keep it. That's that heart. That's that mentality. Uh, Let's continue. Verse number 35. It's costing him. Verse 35. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence. It's costing him some more. And gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. It's costing him. It's costing him. It's costing him. Hey, Christian, if you're going to love your neighbor, it's going to cost you. Just know it ahead of time. Just expect it. Just expect it. Listen, I've heard way too many stories of Christians who maybe heard of a need in their church and they went and they emptied out their savings account. And, and we would say, oh, that's irresponsible. No, no, no. No, no, no. That's compassionate. And I don't mean like, you know, just a need to, to you know, something luxurious. I'm talking about a, a, a serious need. Man, a family that's in serious need or a missionary that's in serious need. Man, I'm talking about a serious need. They empty out their savings account to help that in the, that's loving your neighbor. That's saying, man, I don't care how much it costs me, I'm willing to love my neighbor. A pastor was riding the subway and he noticed that an old woman had shuffled into the, the train wearing only ragged clothes to protect her from the bitter Chicago winter wind. Her white, cracked, bony hands clutched a worn shawl tightly around her, and the pastor watched with wonder and pity. 
At the next stop, an energetic young man strode confidently onto the train and his warm, high-fashioned clothes offered a stark contrast to the lady that got on the train the stop before. As he made his way to his seat, uh, his, his eyes lingered just for a moment on that old lady. That old lady with white, cracked, bony hands. That old lady uh, with just barely any clothes to keep her warm. And, and three stops later, as the train slowed down, this young man glided by this old lady to the other door and he disappeared out of the train. The pastor noticed, however, on the woman's lap lay that young man's brown leather gloves. The pastor thought to himself, and I quote, he said, Man, I don't know if that young man was a believer in Christ or not, but I do know this. He saw her need, and he responded with compassion. While I just sat there. While I did nothing. You see, it never occurred to me, the pastor said, to give her my gloves That young man showed compassion in a way that I'll never forget. End quote. Man, let's do away with this convenient Christianity stuff. Let's do away with uh, luxury living. Uh, Let's do away... Listen, if you can afford it, by all means, do it. But let's make sure you don't put more emphasis on your stuff, on your luxurious lifestyle, than you do on blessing and helping and loving your neighbor. It's more important to God for you to love your neighbor than it is for you to live a comfortable life. And so obviously, point number six, the last point is the call. The call. He says, hey, go and do the same thing. Look at it. Look at verse 36. Look at verse 36. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, he that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him... Hey, Mr. Lawyer. Hey, Mr. 21st Century Christian. Hey, Mrs. Christian. Uh, Hey, young Christian person. Go and do thou likewise. Go do the same. Do what this man did. Do what this uh, this Samaritan did. This good Samaritan, he was willing to sacrifice. He was willing to inconvenience himself for someone else's good. Hey, I said earlier that there are only three kinds of people in the world. Those that will beat you up, those that will pass you up, and those that will pick you up. You know which one the Samaritan was. He's the one, I'm going to pick him up. Hey, I'm going to do what I can. I may not be able to heal and fix everything, but I'm going to do what I can. By the way, there's only three kinds of believers in the world as well. There's the non-believers, those that don't know Christ. There's the real believers, those that do know Christ. And then there's the make-believers. The make-believers. They may know Christ, but they're not really living for Christ. Or they may not even know Christ, but they're acting like they know Christ. Listen, which one are, which one are we? Are we a real believer? Are we a sincere, genuine believer? Say, I'm going to do what I can to help people. Let me ask you this question. If every Christian were like you, what kind of Christians would they be? I have to ask myself that at times. If every Christian read the Bible like I read the Bible, would they read the Bible at all? If every Christian prayed like I pray, would they be known as a praying Christian? If every Christian gave like I give, would they be known as a giving Christian? If every Christian went to church like I go to church, if every Christian loved God, if every Christian loved their neighbor like I do, what kind of Christians would we have in this world? 
I'll end with this. John Wesley said this. He says, and I quote, Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, for as long as you can. How about it this morning? We want to be a good Samaritan? We want to love our neighbor as ourselves. Well, listen, Christian. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. It's going to be inconvenient. Just bank on it. Just expect it. And be willing to say, Lord, use me. Use me as your instrument. Use me as a vessel to bless others. Hey, this is revival week, right? We need reviving, man. Now, we, we, need, to, we need to go back to biblical Christianity. In our 21st century, uh, you know, padded pews and, 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 and comfortable auditorium. And I'm all for it. Man, I love it. I'm glad. But sometimes I think we transfer that convenience mentality into our service. If it's convenient, I'll do it. If I have time, I'll... Listen, if it's important enough, you'll find a way. You'll find a way if it's important enough. And if it's not important enough, you'll find an excuse. Let's not be excuse-making Christians. Let's be neighbor-loving Christians. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Father, we love you this morning. Lord, we pray, dear God, that you would help us, Lord, to, to emulate. Lord, to imitate this good Samaritan. Help us, dear Father, in those instances, in those times in our life where we run across, where you allow people to be in our path that need help, that need encouragement, or maybe just need someone to talk to. Lord, help us to be willing to allow you to minister to them through us. Lord, help us, dear God, to be neighbor-loving Christians. Help us to be real believers. Help us, Lord, to be like the Good Samaritan who says, what I, what is, what I have is, is yours and I'm willing to give it. I'm willing to give it. Lord, please, convict us, Lord, in the areas that we need convicting. Encourage us, Lord, if we're living a life uh, that exemplifies these traits. And Lord, help us to keep going forward. We do love you. We pray now that you bless this time of invitation. In Christ's name we pray. Pastor.